0: Singing and never as they say. The shadow of a cross arose upon a lonely hill, and the sh- So oh.
1: Have Thine own way, Lord, have Thine own way. For Thou art the potter and we are the clay. Molders and makers after Thy will, while we're here now, yielded and still. Let me welcome you to this ministry tonight. My name is Hal Brady. And as always, my prayer is that you will be blessed both by the word and the music. Now join me as we seek to turn this studio into a sanctuary and worship the living God. Our scripture lesson today comes from 1 Samuel 13. Two verses, 13 and 14. Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandments of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. The Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom will not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has anointed him to be ruler over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, which art our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Craig Cathy died recently. As you know, Mr. Cathy was known for his philanthropy, his innovation, and for the fact that he refused to open up his Chick-fil-A restaurants on Sunday. When Mr. Cathy died there were Chick-fil-A's over 1800 over 1840 states including Washington DC and when he died his business made five billion dollars last year. Here are a few words that were said about Mr. Cathy when he died. I just want to mention a couple of people. One was Sam Marcel, the former mayor of Atlanta. He said, Truett Cathy was truly an icon of his surroundings, a man in full for his family, his faith, and his firm. He brought much credit to our city. And then the chairman and CEO of the Coca-Cola company made this remark, Truett Cathy was a true visionary, a remarkable, innovative leader who created not only a uniquely delicious sandwich, but also an extraordinary way of doing business. For decades, he demonstrated a profound generosity of spirit, always brightening the lives of others with his infectious smile and his sense of humor. Now these are two outstanding compliments of Truett Cathy, no question about that. But perhaps the greatest compliment ever paid to a person was a compliment that was paid to David. It was spoken from the prophet Samuel to the unfaithful King Saul. And this is what Samuel said. You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandments of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Would you be surprised if I said that there were more chapters about David in the Bible than any other character? We're talking about the Old Testament, of course. There are some 14 chapters dedicated to Abraham and about 14 dedicated to Joseph. There are 11 dedicated to Jacob and 10 dedicated to Elijah. But do you realize that there are 66 chapters dedicated to King David? And also, to say nothing, of the 59 references to David in the New Testament. Now, since David was specifically called a man after God's own heart, We get the impression that David must have been a saint or some holier-than-thou person. But we know that's not true. We remember his involvement with Bathsheba, that great sin. Even though he confessed his sin, he repented of his sin, he received forgiveness. Nevertheless, he suffered for that sin all of his life. So God did not choose David because he was perfect. And I also want to say God does not choose us because we're perfect. There are no perfect people and God knows that. God chose David for a different reason and God chose, chooses us for a different reason. God chose David because he was a man after his own heart. He had given his life to God wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. That's the reason he chose him. He saw a servant's heart in David. The first thing we want to notice in the scripture lesson tonight, the first quality of a person after God's own heart is spirituality. Spirituality. In the comic strip, Peanuts, Charlie Brown is talking to Linus. He's very upset about his chronic inability to do what he's being asked to do. And so Charlie Brown begins to explain Linus this way. He says, the moment I stepped into the world, there were people who said he's not right for the part. And whenever we hear the word spirituality, we begin to think to ourselves, well, we're not right for the part either. I read a survey the other day about the millennial generation, 1,200 millennials who were given this survey. Millennials are Americans who were born between 1980 and 2000. These millennials were asked this question, what is most important in your life? I want you to notice that 68% of those millennials didn't mention faith, religion, or spirituality. 68% of them did not mention religion, faith or spirituality. Evidently some other people don't feel right when the word spirituality is mentioned either. So what is God looking for? What is God looking for? God wants people who are sensitive to him, sensitive to him. So how do we become sensitive to God? First of all, we have to stay out of the shadows. We have to stay out of the shadows. God is looking for people who are wholeheartedly His. That means that there is no living in the shadows. That means that when we do wrong, we confess our sins and we make restitution. A minister talked about his beastly face and said that he appeared not long ago. He said he happened to be on a two-lane road. He was in this lane and a lady was in this lane and they were traveling along side by side and his lane was going to stop. They were going to merge into one lane. So he decided, well, you know, I need to get on about my business. Probably my work is more important than what she's doing. He thought, well, I'm I'm a man of peace, and I'm working on things of peace. So he just said he floored it. But he said when he did, the lady floored it too. And he said when they got right to the place where the two rows went into one, she was a fender ahead. So he stopped and growled a little bit and let her go ahead. But then he said it was at nighttime, so he thought, well, he would dim his lights. But then something sinister in him took over, and so he said he was not going to dim his lights. He was going to put a little high beam in her mirror. So he left the high beam, the bright lights on in her mirror. Well, she retaliated. He said she was mean. She slowed down to a crawl. She was not going to go faster than 15 miles an hour, and she never did, even if the whole city needed to get someplace, she was not going to go faster than 15 miles an hour. He said, so there they were, like two stubborn donkeys. He had the bright beam in her mirror, and she had the crawl on. Two stubborn donkeys. But then he said, suddenly, they came to a place in the road where he looked up, and it was breaking back off into two lanes, and the light was red. And so he pulled out behind her, and they came up side by side. And he said, you know, at that point, I have some good news and some bad news for you. The good news is that she waved at me. The bad news is that you, won't, you would not want to imitate her wave. But he said he didn't know what happened to him. He said most of the time he was a decent human being. He tried to do things right, but he said on this particular occasion, suddenly his sense of to spirit took over and he became a beast. He became a beast. That's what we're talking about. If we're going to be people after God's own heart, we've got to stay out of the shadows. But then if we're going to be people after God's own heart, we've got to be receptive in prayer. We've got to be receptive in prayer. Someone said the big problem with us today is not a decay of beliefs. It is a lack of solitude. Because we don't have any solitude anymore, we have suddenly began to confine ourselves to nothing outside ourselves, and we've become interior messes when we do that and that's what essentially has happened to us now even in football there's not continuous action let's think about this they go into that little huddle where they're going to get direction for the next play it's behind the line well we need the same thing we need a little huddle behind our own front lines as we deal with life and that little huddle is where we get in touch with ourselves and get in touch with the master What did he say? Be still and know that I am God. We need to be prayer receptive if we are going to be instruments of God. James Moore wrote a book and said, if God is your co-pilot, swap seats. You know what he was saying? He was saying, take God seriously. Don't let God evolve into a 9-11 emergency. Take God seriously. Give Him priority in your life. And then Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you, meaning and peace and love and joy. I ask again, what is God looking for? God is looking for people after his own heart, wholeheartedly after his own heart. The first quality is spirituality. The second quality is humility. Humility. A few years ago, my wife and I went to a banquet in Atlanta. One of the honorees was Paul Amos Sr., the late Paul Amos Senior. We were there because we knew him. It was called the Hero and Legends Banquet. It was also raising money for Alzheimer's and for Parkinson's that they're doing in research at Emory University. This physician said he got up one time and he introduced Muhammad Ali, and he introduced him as a great fighter, the greatest fighter. But he said when Muhammad Ali got up, he responded, of all time, the greatest fighter of all time. Now that's not humility, that's pride. But it's a cute story. And so we like to talk about it. Listen to this verse out of the Bible. It comes out of 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. So you see, I like what one of the authors said. He was writing a book on David. And this author said that God had made a mystery visit to Jesse's tent. He he was looking for a king. But in the process of looking at those sons, he was there as a mystery. Nobody knew he was there. Samuel didn't know he was there. Nobody else knew he was there. Not Jesse, not anybody. But God was on a surveillance mission. He was finding himself a king. And he found himself a king. He found himself a king in David. And that was so critically important. Now, the question is, why did God choose David? I want to go back to that again. God chose David because David gave his heart to God wholeheartedly. Now, let's think a minute. Why did Jesus choose Andrew? Andrew, for instance, wasn't a major pillar like James and John and Peter. He was just a little quiet pebble upon which Jesus built his rock, a humble pebble. You see, Andrew didn't mind playing second fiddle. He didn't mind being in second place as long as the work was being done. So why did Jesus choose Andrew? For the same reason that God chose David. Because he saw in Andrew a heart that was wholeheartedly his, a servant's heart. And so that's the reason he chose him. He had a servant's heart. And evidently, That's what Jesus saw in him. Now, you know, Jesus told us about humility. You remember when he picked up a little child? He set him on his knee, and he said, Do you all see this child? If you're not like him, you're not going to have a place in the kingdom of God. He was talking about the humility of that child. And then you remember when Jesus was in the upper room? What did he do? The Lord of the universe The one who created all, he picked up a towel and a basin and he began to wash the feet of his disciples. And you remember what Peter said, Lord, I don't want you to wash my feet. Jesus said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you're not gonna have any part of me. So then you remember Peter said, well, just wash me all over. But then there was another occasion, perhaps the greatest occasion, where we understand the humility of Jesus. And that is at the cross. You remember he put himself at the cross. Philippians says, He gave up his priority. He gave it all up. He gave it up so he could become a human being like us, faithful and even obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. So the second quality of a person after God's own heart has to be humility. It has to be humility. And then the third quality of a person after God's own heart has to be faithfulness in little things. Faithfulness in little things. An amazing fact about David was that he had been elected and anointed the king of Israel. But I'm happy to report to you, he didn't go berserk. He didn't lose his grip. What could he have done? He could have gone down to the store and started looking for crowns, couldn't he? Trying to find a crown to fit. He could have simply had a sign put out in front of, Jesse's tent says, home of the king-elect. He could have put that down. Or he could have called a press conference and says, you know, look at me, I'm the man. Or he could have boarded Camel 1 and gone around for a listening tour all over his area, his country. He would have gotten plenty of publicity if he had done that. But what did he do? He didn't do any of that. He went back out on the hillside and tended the sheep. Are you aware that David was also the chief soloist? in the choir, in the palace. He could have had the chief soloist's place, but he didn't do any of that. What did he do? He went back out and tended the sheep on the hillsides, just being faithful in little things. I think this is one of the messages that God would have us know in this particular lesson about David. God wants us to be faithful in little things. Do we want to have big results? Do we want to have large vision? Then be faithful in little things. Be faithful in little things. Dr. J. Wallace Hamilton was one of the greatest preachers in the American pulpit. He's known as one of the greatest preachers in the American pulpit. Dr. Hamilton's sermons, according to those thousands of people who heard him, were the best they'd ever heard from any preacher. Dr. Hamilton was a great challenge to all preachers today. How did he get that way? He was just a a guy who was born on a Canadian farm. He didn't have a college education nor a seminary education. He went to Moody Bible Institute for three years. That was all the schooling he had. And yet, this same man took a church with 46 members and turned it into a church of 3,500. And he preached every week to between 2,500 and 10,000 people. He wrote out every sermon, word for word. He thought a preacher should not only preach well, but he should preach clearly and effectively. And faithfully. So how did he get that way? Bishop Gerald Kennedy said, hard work did it. Hard work did it. Every morning from Monday to Friday, he went in his study before sunup. He stayed there till 1 p.m. The only thing that got him out of that study was an emergency. He stayed there every day studying, growing, and learning, and studying the Word of God so he could preach it. As I said, he wrote out every sermon word for word. He thought that the sermon should sing, literally sing, And so how did he do it? Hard work did it. He was faithful in little things. Now, God is calling us to be faithful in little things. That is, the little things that we have every day, the detailed reports we fill out, the time we spend at home with our families, with our spouses, with our children, what we're trying to do in our work, what we do in our play. God calls us to be faithful in little things. How important that is for all of us to be faithful in little things. Why do you think there are so many silver and golden wedding anniversaries? Because those couples in their homes are being faithful in little things. Maybe these words will help you to understand what I'm saying. I love these words. Blow me a kiss across the room. Say I look nice when I'm not. Touch my hair as you pass my chair. Little things mean a lot. One last thing. The qualities of a person after God's own heart are spirituality, humility, and a faithfulness in little things. Let us pray. Lord, we're grateful for David. We're thankful for this lesson that comes to us in 1 Samuel. We're thankful that you call us to be people of spirituality, that you call us to live humble lives, realizing that everything we have really, in essence, comes out of our gratitude to you. And we pray that you'd help us to be faithful in little things, always in little things. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you very much for your support of this program. I just want to share with you again the reason we're on. We're trying to lift up Jesus Christ, and we're trying to do it in a vital, relevant, and biblical way. And we're trying to encourage people. And we appreciate your supporting us both in your finances but more importantly, your prayers. God bless. Good night.